Is that, are you doing it? Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. I love it when a plan comes together. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. That is our catchphrase, so we are saying it. (laughs) Despite the fact that this is day three of Gen Con and we're just continuing to break, uh, break format and bring you some coverage of the games we saw and played at Gen Con rather than talking about one game at a time and rather than worrying about whether or not we're actually doing this in under 30 minutes or not. And just a disclaimer that we are thoroughly exhausted. We are so tired. <laughs> it's actually Sunday night. Um, we had a seven-hour game of Twilight Imperium 4th Edition today on top of getting probably, I don't know, on average five, four hours of sleep or something like that for several days in a row. Yep. So. And lots of hours of gaming, lots of running around the convention show floor and all the hotels in Indianapolis. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, our brains are uh, not the most well-oiled machines at the Put, moment. More like pudding. Yes, pudding. <laughs> yes, bloody brain, pudding. Brain pudding. It's blood pudding <laughs> with some brains with mixed some in. Brain. Mon- chilled monkey brains. It's like when they make jello and they put I'm, fruit cocktail in We're it. so <laughs> off the rails right now. That's what our brains are like. Okay, where do we start, Jason? <laughs> yesterday, last night, uh, so yesterday was our last day at Gen Con actually taking appointments and events. And we played several games. We played... Well, first of all, let's talk about the the, the appointment we took, right? Yeah. We went to... Yes, we went to Starling Games, uh, makers of Everdell, a fairly popular game with a very impressive-looking three-dimensional board where you <laughs> collect a bunch of animals or something? No, the animals do the collecting. The animals do the collecting. They okay. collect resources like, I don't know, berries and sticks and stuff, and they use them to like make boats. Okay, and... so they had uh, they had that there. They had the collector's edition there. It looks beautiful. We did not see that, though. All we saw was the boxes. We saw a game called Anomaly. Which is new. <clears throat> Brand new, yeah. Brand it looks new. like they released it at Gen Con. It is a uh, one-versus-all hidden movement game. And it kind of differentiates itself from a lot of the other hidden movement games in the genre. So things like uh, Letters from Whitechapel, uh, Fury of Dracula, right? Yeah. Uh, where not only do the uh, the hunters or like you know the good guys, in this case it's students, um, science students on a science space station, they don't know where the bad guy is. In this case, it's like a like ghostly sort of like you like know an energy ephemeral, being. yeah, like not. Uh, I was gonna say Nazi. I don't. This is where we're at. <laughs> it's um, it's ghost. An energy Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm confusing ghosts and Nazis tonight. Um, anyway, so that's the bad guy, and the students don't know where they're at. The, um, the, the, the anomaly does not know where the students are at, but in addition to that, the students don't know where each other are at on this. So everybody has a, uh, like a, like sort of like a, um, a DM screen, right? A screen that they are, they have a little mini version of the board behind, and they're able to track their own movement back there. And you use various mechanics in the game to try to determine where your enemies are at, where your allies are at, and then work together as best you can uh, to track the opposing side down and defeat them by uh, whittling their health down to zero. 
Yeah, the other uh, interesting thing about it is that uh, the the anomaly, the the energy Nazi thing, <laughs> energy ghost, <laughs> the ghost Nazi, the ghost Nazi, <laughs> the ghost Nazi, the anomaly has uh, basically very few abilities to start with. Um, and what happens is as the students begin to use some of their special abilities, they have to play a card. And that card, once they play it, then comes to the Anomaly player, and the Anomaly player can play the Anomaly special effect on that same card. Uh, so as the students use their special their special abilities, they get better at tracking down where the Anomaly is, but it also makes the Anomaly uh, stronger. Yeah, so it's this very nice, delicate balancing act as you're playing the game. We did play most of a game. Most of a game. <laughs> most of a game. Uh, and we're gonna we, we we plan on trying to get to uh, a couple more plays, one or two more plays of the full game before we do like a full review on the game. But so far, I came away from it feeling like you know very energized to try it again after yeah, the, the little bit we played. Uh, it definitely it definitely I think kind of carves out its own space in the the hidden movement. Um, you know, one versus all sort of uh, genre or space in, in gaming space, right? I, yeah. I, I feel like it definitely has like a, a unique identity and, and is doing something that a lot of other games or that no other games that I've played have done. And I'm really excited to try that some more. So that was Anomaly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, from Starling Games. Uh, we also went and played a new Commands and Colors game, which if you've listened to the podcast, you know I'm a big fan of the Commands and Colors games. That's like things like Memoir 44, Battle Lore. Uh, but this one is called Red Alert. And yep. it is a massive, um, like, sort of space battle. It's a space version of Battle Lore. Yeah, essentially. yeah, essentially that's exactly what it is. Um, they've added a few little tweaks here and there to uh, help kind of emulate what a space battle would be like using these mechanics rather than making it, you know, like just a rethink, complete, like, reskin of the Battle Lore mechanics. Um, but for the most part, if you've played Battle Lore, especially Battle Lore 2.0, you're going to come into this game and you're going to be like 90% of the way knowing all the rules. Um, and then you learn the extra 10, and then that's what makes it space combat rather than, you know, like medieval fantasy combat. Yeah. So it works along the same lines of the commands and color system. you got three lanes. Uh, the lanes that you, the, the units in the lanes that you can activate are based on the command cards that you have in your hand. And then there are some special ability cards that can you, you can use as well um, to you know, move, attack, do special things and, and try and, uh, it's not a completely eliminate your opponents, but every time you eliminate an opposing opponent's unit, you get points. Um, and you have to be the first one to get the 21 points. Yeah. Uh, so Jason and I played a, uh, a two versus two game. It was us versus Phil and uh, one of the guys who was... Uh, from the publisher. Yeah, from the, the publisher who's... It was like PSC, PSC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was there and he joined Phil on their team and we had a very, very exciting match between the two of us. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really <laughs> fun, yeah. I mean, it came down to some real like nail-biting moments, some real heavy swings back and forth, real like huge surprise moments where somebody pulled exactly the right card they needed in order to just like undermine something somebody else was going to do that was going to completely wreck their shop or they rolled amazingly yeah it was really fun i mean like this is a game that if you are opposed to any amount of randomness you know in your gaming then you know this is not going to appeal to you yeah you're probably not gonna like right. it. right but if you like a nice mix of you know tactics and strategy and a little bit of randomness to make you know it just a little bit more fun in terms of never knowing exactly what's gonna happen then this is a blast i felt like the stakes were always high they did yeah and it felt like that like so the, and the outcome will depend on usually some kind of dice roll mm -hmm. but whether or not you like you win spectacularly or you fail spectacularly mm -hmm. either way it's kind of like a like an oh god moment. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I think one of the things is that we were all kind of... So in this game, you play to 21 points, and that's different from all of the other Commands and Colors games that I've played. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with, like, Ancients or Napoleonic Wars or whatever, but in this one, each ship has a point value. So, you know, if you take out, like, one of the big, huge capital ships, that's going to be worth a lot more points than just, like, a tiny fighter squadron. So, you know, compared to Memoir, where all the units are basically worth the same amount in the end, right, towards, towards the victory track. So there was a lot of, like, oh, my God, I, we cannot lose this battleship sort of moments, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that led to a lot of tension and a lot of excitement in the game that I don't think exists with some of the other games. Yeah, I can definitely say that's true. I've, I've never gotten that same amount of, uh, you know, suspense from playing Battle War, which yeah. is the only one they play. And in addition to that, the game is uh, just physically massive. Like, it comes yeah, huge. not with a cardboard board like most cardboard games do, like most board games do. It comes with, like, a fabric map that you lay out. And, I mean, how big was that thing? I, I gotta say it was at least... Like three by, by four feet or something like, like that. Three by four or three by five, maybe. Yeah, it was huge. Um, and the ships are massive. Like the miniatures for the ships are huge. Yeah. Like some of them are probably like what, like five inches long or yeah. so. I mean, they're huge. They're and really like big. Really big, chunky diameter and everything. And they they come on little stands, so <laughs> mm-hmm. they're sort of floating above the board. Yeah, so it 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 felt more like one of those massive like uh like war planning rooms you see like in yeah. a World War II movie or something like that. <laughs> you even mentioned you wanted to get one of those like, the sticks that the they sticks use that yeah, they to push them around, around on the board. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there was just this just epic grand quality to it that I think kind of uh, existed in this game that doesn't necessarily exist in all of the other uh, Commands and Colors games, at least the ones that I've played. So yeah. we, we thought very highly of that. We also met Richard Borg, the uh, the creator <laughs> of the game. He was very friendly. That was very it cool. Was very cool to see him. Uh, so what did we do next, Jason? Uh, we played Blood on the Clock Tower. Oh gosh, we played Blood on the Clock Tower. Actually, that happened before. That happened but before. Whatever. Right Order right. doesn't matter. Yeah. We played Blood on the Clock Tower. This was the uh, the social deduction game that we talked about briefly on a couple other podcasts. Yeah. Uh um, so kind of along the lines of something like Werewolf um, or... Uh, Mafia. Mafia. Yeah. Um, what's that one that other people play? Avalon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resistance. Oh, yeah, that's it. Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, if you're, it kind of reminded, reminded me of that Steam game, um, Town of Salem. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that you know, that's an adaptate. They're all adaptations of Werewolf. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so essentially, like uh, the premise is that somebody's been murdered. They were murdered by a demonic an imp, an imp. Um, and at the beginning of the game, everybody gets a specified role, and each role has a set of particular parameters in which they can operate. Uh, meaning that they have like some kind of special ability, or they uh, they will react specifically to. Uh, a situation in a given way or something sure um and so everybody gets a role then they all close their eyes certain characters are given information based on their role yep um hidden information initially but they can say whatever they want when they wake up during the day yeah and then you wake up during the day you have a conversation about what has transpired and there's accusations that fly (laughs) every morning you wake up the imp has murdered somebody in the town yep and everybody starts talking about what they know and you start discussing whether or not you believe those people right (laughs) yeah and then you can nominate somebody to be executed. Right. And there's a brief, uh, not really a trial, but there's a brief like, it's okay, defend vote. yourself. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then it's put to vote. And then it's put to a vote. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, when you get, if you get the, a majority of the votes, uh, it, has, it has to be at least one more than, the, than half the number of players, I think. 
the living players, right? Living players. Yeah. Because um, and... when you're a ghost in this game, you can still participate. You still get one vote. You can still talk. Right. Yeah. But you can't nominate as a ghost. You can't nominate, and you don't count towards the uh, like the living the number, player. Count. Yeah, the living yeah. player count. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so if the vote goes through, you get executed, and if not, then the person that was just nominated gets a chance to nominate somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you do that three times, and if nobody gets executed, then there's another night phase. Yep. And it keeps going like that until either there's only two villagers left or until the villagers have sussed out who the imp is and murder him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I have to say, this game was really fun. <laughs> it was. It was really fun. Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was very intense. It was incredibly intense. We, I think all three of us, like uh, Kyle and I and Phil, who was playing with us, we were all kind of like a, a little lost at the beginning because we were playing with a bunch of people who had played it everybody else in the game had played it a bunch yeah yeah so we were kind of a little trying to figure out like what everybody's role is and what if this person says this what does that mean and all this other kind of stuff but i think we kind of got it like you got it pretty early i've played werewolf before so i was muddling through a little bit until about the middle but by the end we were all like shouting at each other and (laughs) flying our asses off Oh, yeah. Well, I was lying right from the beginning because well, it turned out were, I was yeah. the imp. Yeah. And so right from the beginning, I had to say, okay, I need to pretend I'm somebody that I'm not. And you look down and you're like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to be this character right here. And immediately somebody else was like, that's the character that I am. And I'm like, wait, that's impossible. Because one of the things that I knew as the imp was that that character was not in the game. Right? And that just led to this like incredible string of lies and confusion and misinformation that people had. Yeah. And then the way that that just like you know like domino affected all the other information in the game led to this amazing trail of confusion where everybody had formed these very concrete theories about what everybody else had said and how it all related to each other incredibly plausible theories and 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 it all led to this just amazing like culmination of like like two factions forming between the villagers and fighting between the two and in the middle of it everybody thought I was innocent for the longest time because of the way that I was accused of being a drunk because they said that you know like who I thought I was was wrong because the other guy who said that he was the thing that I knew didn't exist had to be the right thing yeah it's kind of hard to (laughs) suss out without like a diagram or something but I mean basically what it led to was this kind of rollicking argument between the various factions and trying to do be your best to be persuasive yes um and, and not tip your hand yeah at exactly. all right and the thing i think that threw a lot of us is that like somebody could be lying but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're on the bad side yeah also somebody could not be lying but also be wrong yeah that's true because you can be given bad information <laughs> yeah or you could be lying and not know it yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the so the the DM or whatever, um, there's one person who the moderator. Yeah, the moderator who is the not narrator. in the in the circle, yeah. but he you know or she can does stuff behind the scenes. Uh, after roles are selected, there are certain things that the that the storyteller there can do um, to modify people's characters without them knowing. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, like we were just like incredibly exhausted, but incredibly exhilarated by the end of the whole yeah, thing. It was, it was a, a it great was a heck time. Of a lot of fun. Um, now this is the game that was like kickstarting for ninety dollars, and we came away from that, and I said, "Jason, ninety dollars." And he just shook his head. And he's like, <laughs> "No, no way. <laughs> you know, we could yeah. make this a home if we wanted to." Now, I mean, I don't know. I the component quality of what we saw, if that's the actual production quality of the finished product, doesn't feel to me like a ninety dollar game. No. The experience though is amazing. 
Yeah, it's a ninety dollar experience. It's a ninety dollar experience if it's if it's the sort of thing that you think that you can muster a group of people for you know like like six to ten people or whatever on a, at least a semi routine basis to play this game, and you think you know like this is the sort of thing that your particular social group would enjoy. Maybe it's worth it for you. Yeah, you know, um, maybe you all go in and chip in together and get you know a copy where you all just throw in twenty bucks or whatever, right? Um, but you know, I, I don't know. Like for me, it was still relatively close to the experience that I get playing Werewolf. Yeah. And for me, like that, and you know, like there's different types of werewolf out there. Some of them have like, you know, more special roles and things like that. And like not too far off from this particular game. Yeah. Um, and there's just a couple of little rule changes, like how the ghosts stay, uh, they're able to talk and everything, and they get one more vote. Um, like between, you know, like just those small little differences to me, that doesn't necessarily justify the $90 price tag. So I still came away from this feeling like $90 feels absurd. <laughs> um, if you told me that this game was 40 bucks, I'd say that still seems expensive for what I saw production quality wise. But if you tell me later on these things are going to be like, you know, some nice real produced piece of plastic that still sticks to the felt backed thing. And, yeah, the, and it's not just some beat up box that they're keeping things the, in. The Grimoire, yeah. Yeah. I, then I'd say, yeah, okay, 40 bucks, sure, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, but 90 bucks, I, I don't feel good about that. You know? Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Um, I, a, I literally came away saying, like, I, I really, really like the game. Um, the design of it is is a heck of a lot of fun, but I would not spend ninety dollars. Yeah, I think the way that all the different roles work together and synergize and affect each other is genius. Yeah, um, somebody but had to do some math to figure exactly. That out. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> I still just like just the emotional feeling I have at the end is ninety dollars. You know, so. It's one of the best gaming experiences, and also maybe the most overpriced gaming experience ever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Weird, right? Very hard to quantify. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, towards the middle of the afternoon yesterday, we got a copy of Black Angel, one of the hotly anticipated games. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we we played it, or we played half of it. <laughs> yeah, we played about half of the game. We got too hungry. We had to get up and go get dinner. But we felt like we had uh, experienced, you know, enough of the loop of the game to talk about it. Yeah, at least initially, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is a, a very heavy uh, Euro game. This was heavier than I expected, actually. Me too. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, uh, the premise is that uh, you're construct. Uh, you're trying to get to like a new planet. You are playing as AI, AI uh, constructs on a like a life ship, you know, like a, a an ark basically called for, the Black Angel. Yeah, uh, a, a human ark where the humans have been like you know cryogenically frozen, and you as the AIs are shepherding them to a new planet a new to planet. colonize and like allow humanity to continue to live after uh, you know supposedly leaving the Earth behind because it's you know uh, you know we continue to destroy it or whatever, right? right yeah. Um, and in the middle of this voyage, you have to like fend off attacks from Ravagers, which are like the evil alien race that are out there in the middle of the void mm-hmm. um, you make contacts with other alien civilizations uh, in order to is that what those quests are supposed to represent yeah. okay. in, order, in order to get like <laughs> new technologies uh, you get some one time bonuses and uh, there are activation bonuses and bonuses that happen when they fall off the map and all, and all this other stuff uh-huh. um, there's the uh, what were the yellow dice for uh, the yellow dice were for upgrading your tech Oh yeah, tech upgrades. There's mm-hmm. a there's a whole tech tile system. Yeah, uh, and you have an individual player board, which uh, is your essentially your your AI. So every time you get a new technology, you filter it into the grid uh, on your player board, and that may shuffle off some of your old ones. Um, although those might might be worth points uh, towards the end, but 
you can activate lines of the grid with cards and then that yeah. basically like there's like actions that happen on those almost like action selection type mechanics um, but it's supposed to represent like sort of the functions of your AI and it's one of the ways that you get new resources or take other certain actions and things like that yeah um, and so the, the game has this sort of amazing um, like this amazing way that it merges dice allocation mechanics yeah card allocation mechanics yep. with action selection um, movement on an actual board out in space with the aliens yeah. or your, your robots that you're sending out to, to do things. Resource gathering. It uses so many different mechanics that um, it doesn't feel though... Sometimes I play a game that uses lots of different mechanics from lots of different Euro sort of games and it just feels like they found a way to mix a bunch of stuff together and make it work. It was sort of how we felt about Hadara, right? Yeah. Um, but this feels like it's elegant on another level that you almost never see right yeah. where everything is affecting things in a way that it works like clockwork in a way you know i mean i guess in which sort of fits with i mean it's artificial intelligence yeah I mean, yeah 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 i i think that the design might be absolutely brilliant yeah and it would take i think it'll take me a while to understand the depth of that brilliance yes because we yes. it took us a long time to figure out even on a basic level what a turn structure looks like or what we should be doing even right like yeah. that took a little longer because it's like okay now why would i do this and you don't necessarily understand the first time you sit down and take a turn because what you're doing right now may not affect anything in a way that gets you points for like three or four turns or so you know yeah because you're, you're setting up so many different pieces that have to work in in order in order to achieve something mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um and so and and everybody's affecting everybody else because like you know if i do a certain uh if i do a certain action that might put certain tiles on the board that i can't access that turn but then maybe jason can access them on the next turn yeah or and, if you like go exploring that attracts ravagers to your ship and so certain right. parts of the ship may get damaged yeah. and other people can't use them as effectively right and so it might be to someone else's benefit after you've gone and done something like that to then clean up your mess right right yeah and oftentimes that can and but then not only are you just you're not just wasting time cleaning up their mess and then not getting anything out of it when you clean up the mess you get a bunch of stuff from cleaning up the mess which yeah. then becomes good for you in the long run as well yeah because so, you can use that stuff to activate some of your abilities and yeah and so there were all these turns where i was just like okay this sounds like crap i feel like i'm gonna have to do crap now because i don't have a better option and then i would do the thing that i felt like i had to do and then you would be like oh but you get to keep these and i was like and why does this matter and you're like because these three ravager cards can be used to activate every single um tile every single this, tile yeah, on a line on your ai and i'm like yeah. oh god that's really powerful yeah. So what I just did is actually awesome then, right? right? You know, and then like there was one time where I had, uh, you, you know, you roll dice and the number of pips that show up between zero and three are the number of times that you can activate a system on the ship, right? Yeah. And I rolled a bunch of zeros later in the game when you and Phil were rolling no zeros. And I was like, man, I'm really mad now. I've got a bunch of zeros. But then I found a way to use that zero in a way that was really effective. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And I feel really clever. <laughs> and every time I feel really clever in a game like that. Every time a game makes me feel smart. It makes me real happy, and that makes me think the game is great. So I came away from the experience with Black Angel feeling like the game has an immense amount of depth. Um, it's a joy to look at. Like, it's got this um, great Eno tool art. It just looks – it looks to me like sort of that color palette they used in uh, Thor Ragnarok, you know, yeah. just very, like, yeah. very like fuchsia, um, like, you know, sort of, like um, – 
pastel or, or like, you know, um, neon colored, you know, space, right? Yeah. Not black space, neon, neon space. space. And yeah. I love it. I love it to death. And the little AI robots are really so cute. So cute, and yeah. they sit in these tiny, oh my like, God. flying saucers. It's so <laughs> tactily satisfying to slot them into the little flying saucers and move them around. <laughs> and then move and them around the spaceport. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. That, that game, man. That game is phenomenal. I'm, I'm a little sad that we're not going to have time to, like, to com- comfortably play another one while you're here. Yeah. Yeah. We could probably start a game. I'm not sure we have time to finish one, though. So yeah. that's a bummer. Yep. Um, okay, so the last game we played yesterday was uh, Batman. Batman Gotham City Chronicles. This is the game that was uh, recently in the spring delivered from Kickstarter. Also just recently went through its second Kickstarter uh, over the summer. I believe it's in late pledge mode right now. So if you're hearing this and it helps inform your purchase decision uh you know like you can still get on there i believe and order for the second kickstarter wave it's not available at retail at least not right now i think you'll be able to order it off their website eventually as well but that probably won't happen until after the second kickstarter has been fulfilled yeah uh but anyway so it's a scenario game it is yeah (laughs) everything you do in batman at least in the uh the there's two modes that you can get but the base copy of the game does not come with the uh the versus scenarios um, there's a way to play it, like where you muster an army against each other, an army, like whatever. A skirmish game. Yeah, skirmish game. Um, but you know, the, the base cap copy of the game is basically just uh, it comes with a scenario book. You set up the scenarios. One team is all the good guys, uh, and then the other person that they're playing against uh, is controlling all of the bad guys. So, like on one side, you've got all the heroes, and it can vary between one to three heroes, and then you know the the villain character is playing. So usually around like seven villains, six to seven villains, something like that. Um, and it's all it uses the same system that that Conan Conan game yeah, did the newer one yeah um, where you've got a bunch of energy cubes for each of your characters and everything you do in the game requires you to spend those energy cubes so whether that's you know like punching uh, you know throwing Moving. a battering you get a little movement point at the, you get a little bit of movement points at the beginning of a turn but then yeah. those skills get spent really yeah, quickly like, and then all it, moving further than that yeah, or yeah, climbing yeah. something exactly like, yeah, yeah yeah expending more than like a like moving a couple feet or whatever uh, thematically yeah. it takes more of those 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 cubes as well um, and, and so you get some of them back. You get some of them back every turn, yeah. You can choose whether you're going to rest or whether you're going to be active. If you're active, you get a fewer number of them. Yep. If you rest, you kind of miss out on a whole round, but you get a bunch back. Um, they can be used to help with defensive rolls and re-rolling and things. Uh, you get to choose your equipment as the good guys before you go into battle, and that seems like really important. You know, yeah. The equipment you go into these scenarios with seems to really impact whether or not you're going to succeed. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, though, like you don't often know like what's going to be useful. I scenario. think when it's your first game, you probably don't. I feel like, um, yeah, so I've played this game, I've set it up and played both sides probably, I think, seven times before I played with some other people. And yeah. after about one or two plays, I started to realize where the utility was in a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing with, um, I played once with my wife, I played once with one of our gaming groups, and then I played with you guys as well. Yeah. And I think everybody's kind of picked up on, I feel like it doesn't take that long to pick up on what's useful about you know something that's going to help you with hacking skills, right? Like you bring along a bat computer or something like that. Like if it's a scenario where you know you're going to have to do that, you bring that item, right? right? If it's a scenario where you're just going to do a lot of fighting more so than these other things, then you know bring some more combat equipment, right? If it looks like there's a lot of ranged guys in there, bring the bat cape because that can help protect you from ranged attacks. So once you've played the game once or twice and you understand what all that stuff is, which is not that complicated, I think that once you start going through that item deck the second time, you're going to recognize a lot of the stuff. You're going to be like, oh, okay, now I see why that's useful, you know? Yeah. We haven't played a second game, so you haven't had that experience yet, but I bet you you would. <laughs> yeah, probably, I mean, I feel like I already I know what mistakes I made in choosing 
gear yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think repeated plays would uh, give one a better sense of how to be successful. Yeah. So we've, I've played this game several times. Every time it seems like it's relatively difficult for the heroes to succeed. Um, <laughs> Which was the case. We didn't win. Yeah, yeah. It comes down to uh, a lot of like really clever resource management, um, not overextending yourself, making the right choices with equipment. And knowing where your strengths lie. And knowing where your strengths lie and playing to those strengths with the different characters, yeah. right? And if you do that... You might succeed, right? Yeah. You will probably succeed if you get at all, like, you know, like average rolls or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fairly fair for this game. Um, it presents a challenge, and I think that as a player, you can be up to the challenge, but it can be frustrating if all you want to do is go in and punch a bunch of guys as Batman. Yeah, and you, and you shouldn't do that, actually, um, especially because at least the scenario we played was timed yeah, to certain they all are. rounds. They pretty much all are. If you yeah. spend all your time beating up goons you're not gonna you're wasting time yeah, you're not gonna if succeed. you guys had had one more round or even just maybe a couple extra energy we you might have had exactly what you needed yeah. to finish that last part of yeah. the like three-step process of fulfilling your objectives yeah but there was a couple times you were just like oh it's probably gonna help if i go beat this guy up and knock him out you know yeah i mean it can be it's really overwhelming when you see like i don't know maybe 10 to 12 dudes hanging around like they may not be directly in your area mm-hmm. but i mean they're nearby and mm-hmm. will probably activate soon uh and it's really disconcerting to see that it's an emotional then, reaction and then ignore the them yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you go into this very cognitive and you go into this like just very analytical you're probably going to have a more successful time than you would if you went into it very emotional but i'm not sure that you're going to have a funner time so you know i feel like going in here you want to role play batman a little bit yeah you know and i feel like with that, it kind of misses the mark a little bit, right? Yeah. But if you go into it thinking, I want to think, like, I want this to be a puzzle of a game that I cooperate with some friends on, mm-hmm. there it succeeds. Yeah. You know? And I think that's kind of unusual for what is essentially a, some a kind of dungeon crawler. Yeah, kind of. You know, like like it's a... It's a it's like a scenario-based dungeon Yeah, crawler. yeah. Like sort of like a miniature skirmish type game. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's definitely, like, a little bit of a different beast. I, I think that it's definitely worth trying out if you're interested in the... At all in any of it, right? If you're mm-hmm. interested in, like, the type of game that it is, especially if you're interested in the property. Because I'll say this. I spent a lot of money on this game. I'm a huge Batman fan. I know that if people listen to the podcast, they've probably heard that at some point in time. I'm a huge comic book guy. And so playing this game is a huge joy for me. This game creates tons of joy for me. The miniatures are phenomenal. They look great. Yeah, they're amazing. They're just such a joy to paint. If you're into painting, I, I love painting them. Um, they look great on the board painted. It looks like a cartoon. It looks like the comics come to life, you know? Um, and, and I enjoy the game enough to feel satisfied with it as a purchase, right? Yeah. So even though it's a big, heavy, expensive thing, it's a big boutique, you know, uh, luxury purchase, but if you're into board gaming as a hobby and you like Batman a lot, then I feel like this is definitely going to be something that you feel happy with. Yeah, you will probably enjoy it. If you're buying it because you are, you know, like moderately interested in Batman or just like slightly interested in Batman, I don't know, maybe go and try out the Conan game first because I think it's actually cheaper. It and, is way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and does a and lot of the same available. stuff. Yeah, and widely available. Um, but if you're a Batman fan and you think that this sounds like a fun time, then I'd say maybe get on there and take a look at the Kickstarter and decide whether or not it fits your wallet. (laughs) It won't fit in my wallet. I love the hell out of the game. (laughs) But knowing that I'm a huge Batman freak, I know that that comes with, like, you know, a little bit of a bias. Right, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that concluded yesterday, and then today we played a couple games at Kyle's house. Uh, Yeah. As our our aforementioned uh, annual 
<laughs> round of Twilight Imperium 4th edition. Uh, so what's the verdict on Twilight Imperium? Is it still good? Still good. Twilight Imperium is still a good game. <laughs> uh, Twilight Imperium is probably my favorite game of all time now, Yeah. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. We've we've covered it <laughs> Yeah. many times. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's not much out to there. say about that, but it was a good time. If you have an opportunity to play Twilight Imperium, go play Twilight Imperium. If, you are try- if you're on the fence about whether or not you should buy Twilight Imperium because... You're not sure whether or not you'll be able to play more than a couple times a year. Go buy Twilight Imperium. It's worth it. <laughs> and don't play with our friend Todd. Yeah. Because <laughs> he will win. He will win, yes. All right. So, and the last game we played today was The Gaia Project. Yes. This is the uh, the follow-up to Terra Mystica. So, it is a retheme of Terra Mystica. A bit of a retheme, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's set in space. Um, there's a lot of differences, though, between this and Terra Mystica. So Terra Mystica, any hex on the board could be used for forming yeah, a town or a mine or whatever, yeah. right? In in space, there's a lot of empty space, yeah. and you can't do yeah. anything there. Yeah, and it throws a wrench into the into the works because you have to be able to travel to other planets at a distance to be mm-hmm. able to terraform them, mm-hmm. which you don't have to do in Terra Mystica. Yeah, um, and so that's essentially like another resource that you have to work around. Yeah, yeah, is <laughs> like distance travel. A lot of other things in the game have been kind of like reworked from how they worked in Terra Mystica. So in Terra Mystica, you um, you know you you get points every round based on like a, a round scoring bonus. Um, you know, like if this round, if you build a hut, you get you know two points or whatever. Uh, that still exists in this game, mm-hmm. but then in addition to that, there were scoring bonuses. There was a, a cultist track that you can move up in Terra Mystica, where you would ultimately score points based on your relative position on the track at the end of the game. Right. And in this game, they have that. But it's on a research track that instead of just being four lanes wide is now, I think, like seven lanes something wide like or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but each one corresponds to a certain type of like technology or ability or strength that your racer has. Or an income. Or... Yeah, yeah. So they all affect things in the game um, in a much more significant way than anything on the cultist track in Terra Mystica. So yeah, they're going to affect like what kind of income you're getting and how much of it. It's going to affect how far you can like you know fly out into space to go look for other planets. It's going to affect things like um, how hard it is for you to terraform things that are further away from your planet type. Um, so it's going to affect like your entire economy in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Uh, your entire like sort of like racial abilities in all kinds of different ways. And so it's way more important in this game to be paying attention to the research tracks than it ever was to be paying attention to the, to the cultist, cultist track yeah, in Terra Mystica. That's, that's very true. The game is way more about those tracks than in Terra Mystica. Um, and then when you look at the board, I mean, like, there's way fewer choices for you to make, too. So you've got to be much more careful about what choices you do make. And I also feel like in this game, there's all kinds of very clever ways to use your resources, um, you know, to, like, you know, tr- transform these resources over into these resources. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to, you can convert things. Yeah, it's not a conversion game in the sense where, that I've talked about in the past right, where, you, no. where you convert, like, you know, <laughs> this thing into that thing because then you convert that thing into this thing, which is worth a bunch of points. This is more like you're converting things, like, left and right, up and down. Like, I don't have enough of this resource. Right so now. I can, so I can convert this other one into that resource and right. then use it. This is what I need right now, so I'm going to convert these things into that because then that can become this, right? Right. But it's not like it's not like you're just converting upwards in to this sort of like vertical yeah, way. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of different ways that you might need based on your current situation, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's really clever. And I feel like there's a lot of really clever and there's more varied ways to score points in this game compared mm-hmm. to Terra Mystica as yeah. well. So, yeah. um, I've had um, the game for close to a year, and I got, I got it for last Christmas, and I've played quite a bit of it. Um, Jason, what did you think? Uh, well, this was my first go through, and it's. Um, 
I mean, it's a little bit of a heavy lift, but much easier if you've played Terra Mystica. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the mechanics are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was quite helpful. Um, the It took me a little bit to get my head around um, whether or not it was better to be sort of like a jack-of-all-trades or whether or not you should really focus on something. Um, and I came away thinking, like, it was probably better to focus on a few things instead of trying to run the whole gamut. Yeah. Um, cause I think that's what the strategy, well, such as it was, such as I understood it, that was the strategy I was trying to, to do. And I felt like I was kind of kneecapped because of that. Um, because I never had my, my income levels were relatively low. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't expand as fast as I wanted to. I couldn't expand or improve upward as much as I wanted to. Um, did you enjoy it? I did, though. And yeah. Like, understanding it a little bit better now, I would like to play it again. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think I could do better, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, haven't gotten, I haven't gotten tired of it, right? Yeah. I, I played a bunch of it last year at the end of the year. Uh, it comes with an AI deck made by the same people that made the Automa deck for Scythe. And yep. it is a little complicated. It's not my favorite AI deck that I've played with, you know, like out of all the games that I've played solo. Um, but it works well enough that I've played it a bunch. Um, and I really enjoy the game. I've played it several times with my wife, uh, and now I've played it with you guys. Uh, and, and I love playing it two-player. Playing it three-player was also really fun. And, you know, it surprised me that it wasn't as difficult as I feared it would be to teach. And also it moved still, I think, at a reasonable pace with three people. Yeah. It's so a, I I don't know like I if you're into a medi- if you're looking for like a medium to heavyweight euro that kind of functions if you're familiar with Terra Mystica like that where you've got like all kinds of different ways to all kinds of resources to manage and kind of like spread out on this world and and, and you know kind of stake your claim in it and everything for points um, if you're interested in the theme you know being in space and trying to colonize all these different planets and everything I have um, to say the buildings are really cool too oh yeah the, the components are great right <laughs> yeah, unlike in Terra Mystica where they're building. just like sort of differently yeah, shaped wooden yeah. blocks these I are actually the like components. small um, plastic pieces yeah no this is this is definitely a game that's like you know risen up in the ranks of like my favorite games especially my favorite Euros so um, I definitely highly recommend it um, maybe we'll talk about it more at a later date because uh, I know we're trying to just do like brief overviews right now and we're running yeah. long on time so yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah okay so Jason let's just summarize real quick Gen Con's over now 2019 yep. is wrapped up yep if you had to pick one game that was the game you're looking the most forward to playing in the future and one game that was the most fun you had over the weekend what would you say those are um I think the most fun I had was probably with Red Alert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a toss-up between that and Blood on the Clock Tower, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that I'm looking forward to playing more of would probably be definitely Black Angel and and probably Gaia Projects. Okay. Unless I'm forgetting something. <laughs> <laughs> it's been <laughs> a long weekend. It's entirely possible. I know, I know. Uh, because of the aforementioned like, brain pudding situation. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I think the most fun I had was Red Alert. Really? Those yeah. moments where we're just like, everything hinges on these die rolls right now. Yeah, that was good. Oh that was my good. god. Oh, that felt so good when it went well. And it was still hilarious when, when it, it went, went badly. badly. Oh <laughs> my god. I was, so, I was amused whether it was working for me or against me. Um, I just, I had such I, a great time with that my game. My favorite moment was when we tried to make that big play where we could yes. activate like everything we had. Everything on the board. And then <laughs> Phil basically like. He just took, shut it down. He just pulled the rug out from under us. Yeah. It was great. And, like, it screwed us over big time, yeah. but it was still good. And, and there was a couple of moments where we screwed them over big time, too. And there was, yeah. like, there was... And, and everybody was a great sport about it, which made it really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, if I had to pick one thing that I'm looking the most forward to playing again, 
it might be Black Angel. Yeah. You know, like I want to say Cloudspire because oh, yeah, I'm really, Cloudspire. really interested in Cloudspire, and I want to see where that goes. Um, but Black Angel still just really captured my attention in a way that you know I I, I, I want to see where that goes. I yeah. want to see it on the table again sometime. Yeah. Um, but Cloudspire also, I, I really want to see. I really want to dig into that, and I really want to push all the buttons. I want to see how it works solo co-op, and I want to play some more competitive games too, because it just looks like a really cool deep system. And you know those components from Chip Theory are always just like you know the most <laughs> fun you can have touching anything in board gaming. So, yeah. 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 All right. If people would like to get a hold of us and tell us what their best experiences were at Gen Con or what they look forward to hearing about the most in the future, how would they do so, Jason? Okay, for Gen Con memories, uh, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can go to Twitter at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been an awesome Gen Con. We're sad to see it go, but we're excited to talk to you again in one week where we'll be back uh, with our normal format where we talk about one game at a time, keep it under 30 minutes, and then we'll see you again after that. Next Gen Con, too. Yeah. We'll be there. I hope so. Anyway. so, too. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in one week. Bye-bye.